Yes, yes, welcome, welcome, welcome show that comes to you once a week, recapping the Hollywood week that was, getting you ready for the Holly Weird week to come. This is Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly, hashtag MMO Weekly, hashtag MMOW. I am your co-host along this voyage of the Hollywood seas, Mike One. I think that makes you the captain, right? Also, Mike? First mate. First mate. Mary Poppins returns enabler of mental illnesses. <laughs> Who's firing the cannon, you or, I, or me? Well, I'm firing the cannon. You are ordering me to fire the cannon. <laughs> And, and therefore, I am enabling your mental illness. Fair enough. Mm. This is Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly. Uh, if you've not joined us before for an MMOW, this is our weekly show. Comes to you every Monday morning, getting ready for uh, for the work week ahead for you and trying to kill some time on your weekly commute here. We go over everything that happened in Hollywood this week, kind of set the stage for what to expect the next upcoming week uh, in La La Land there. And we usually start each of these by going over what we watched this week and how we start that section is my co-host here also Mike clears his pipes and gets ready to deliver some orchestral like magnificence setup was way too big <laughs> what are you doing to me and also I should say neuroses like in mental illness shouldn't be enabled that just is there right neuroses mm. let's yeah let's segue with that and then me sing this goofy <laughs> idiot song here it's what we're watching thank you no lyrics this week though you've been kind of building lyrics previously. I built up I built into it with a you know politically correct shame <laughs> on myself yes and then got into a goofy song which is usually what we do at the beginning of every episode we start out awkwardly because yeah. we are awkward exactly yes. yes so what did you watch this week michael i saw shazam yesterday in an early preview got positive word of mouth did you like it i did enjoy it Good. overall it gets a little corny at times and it shoots for you know jokes that don't always hit mm. but i mean i enjoyed it. i i enjoyed the trailer it was like the thing about big you know tom hanks is big the kid turns into a superhero he's a very charismatic actor there zachary levi very charismatic thank you very much we have three out of the last four dc films really working the action kind of worked i like it's basically instant family which i didn't expect oh, really? instant family the superhero story because it's about foster kids and the foster family oh, I didn't which know is that. a lot of fun and it, it, it has an emotional center that really works and that narrative works it's expedited very quickly that's but good it does work you have supernatural stuff going on you have a villain with you know raising the stakes on everything and you also got an origin story done pretty darn well because it's very different you have this clueless superhero which is a lot of fun to deal with a clueless superhero and see how he kind of comedically gets through all of these uh trials and, and, and especially the middle of the movie so they don't it uh, doesn't give too much away in the trailer or anything i feel like it was kind of awfully uh <laughs> you know explanatory they sell early act one and then they show him like punching a villain so not really there's a lot a lot of goods left to be had my biggest issue is probably it's it's more geared towards kids and so is aquaman for that matter i i would say but you know 
bottom line is fun movie. Aquaman is fun as hell, even though it's ridiculous. Yes. Uh, Wonder Woman is fun as hell. And this movie is fun. That's good. And that's good to hear. And it's nice to see DC kind of find their footing. Also a little surprising considering David F. Sandberg, the director of Shazam there, his two movies prior to Shazam that he directed were Lights Out and Annabelle Creation. (laughs) Not exactly the kids superhero type movies. And yet another horror movie director translating well to comedy, right? right? We just talked about Jordan Peele. That fine line separating the two genres there. That's a lot of fun. Early 94% on Rotten Tomatoes, too, so that's nice to see that DC seems to be getting its groove. Yeah, I think it's a hard movie to dislike. It Good. really is. So it's, it's a movie that works. It's got some big jokes, and it's fun. The action works. So I, I enjoyed it. Glad I really to hear did. that. Catastrophe Season 4 is now on Amazon Prime. I am a big fan of that series. You have Sharon Horgan, Rob Delaney... You had Carrie Fisher in previous seasons. This is a funny show, but it's awkward funny. Was Carrie Fisher a regular? Carrie Fisher was a once in a while okay. cameo. Recurring she plays, character. you know, yeah, recurring character. Thank you. But he's got a big, you know, beard now, and it's all modernized. And 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 she is hilarious. She kills me, Sharon Horgan. Their friends are funny. You got this guy Daniel Lapain or da- Daniel Lapain. Uh, he he plays Dave. He's he's a funny as hell character. Mike speaking his native tongue there. I cannot speak French. <laughs> I would never try on a podcast. Of course not. But this, you know, this. 20-minute episode, so this is like the easiest binge Quick ever. binge. Like, you could binge the whole series. It's just four seasons. It's basically the equivalent of watching a movie. Right. Six-episode seasons, so that is like a two-hour yeah, process. two hours, yeah. All so right. So it's, it's, it's very easily done, and it's a lot of, a lot of fun. What's the well. uh, center focus of this season? Is there like an overarching story? Is there... Yeah, it's it. Well, he's dealing with alcoholism. Fun, and he's d- dabbling in. Qu- his sister comes and visits, and she's a Quaker. So it's very funny oh, to watch him dabble in the Quakerism. <laughs> she is not on board with that, and then they go back and visit his hometown, and I think it's. Uh, I just outside of Boston, Martha's Vineyard or Cape Cod or somewhere on the beach there huh. in uh, New England, which is beautiful. And uh, they go back and forth and kind of two big visits in the season. All right, cool. Good to know. <laughs> which is funny. So, uh, th- yeah, I lo- love that show. Highly recommend it. Black Monday is another show on Showtime. That you I'm, spoke highly about this in the past. It's like my new favorite show. However, I'm a little worried because the last few episodes at the end of the season haven't been as good as the first, like, six so I'm a little worried as the season draws to a close. I'm hoping that they can make me laugh as hard as I was laughing. Get a big finale there. Is that so, that's not a mini series, is it? That's something that you think is going to come back for a season two? I think so. Okay. Yeah, I mean it's it's like all the David Wayne comedians, and they're just so funny. Huh. And obviously Don Cheadle you know, and Regina Hall, they're they're great and, both and they're very really capable funny. comedians too. Yeah. yeah. They're funny as hell. So that's a great series. And then finally, Mike, I watched Ferdinand. I believe this is on <laughs> This is the John Cena Bull movie. Animated I read movie. your recap of this, and I was like, "What?" I'm so surprised. <laughs> I like this, but I think I liked it because it's some harrowing freaking yeah, storytelling. Apparently, it's harrowing. You got bulls dying in bullfights. You got them being sent to slaughterhouses. Holy shit! This you could was heavy. have given me three thousand guesses as to what the plot of that movie was. <laughs> you got some heavy stuff for kids, and then there's this adorable like oasis on this beautiful farm. So the stake. <laughs> are just so high. They're <laughs> Toy Story 3 high for an animated Is film. Is it like a euphemism or an allegory for that big bull farm in the sky type thing? Yes. Yeah? Oh, boy. Absolutely <laughs> to the voice of John Cena. Jesus now, Christ. Now, you, you have a bunch of silly characters thrown in 
Like that it just, is a and cartoon. They, yeah. And they just come at the weirdest spot, like in the middle of the movie. Like, okay, a whole new set of characters. That's like a little annoying like uh, in terms of a plot development. But they're funny and they're fun and you get dance-offs. So who am I? Naturally. Who am I to get angry with, you know, little cartoon critters who like to have dance-offs? So th- this was an excellent movie worthy of its Oscar nomination just based on our recent few looks at the best animated film. The most ever. surprising input I've heard is that Ferdinand is... Like, we... We were all so quick to judge the boss baby when, and I thought Ferdinand was going to be in the same yeah. thing, but I hadn't seen it. And then I read your recap, and I was like, "Good God!" But dude, we like the boss baby, of as course. Well. Yeah, it's hilarious. And I think we'd like Ferdinand. I, I, I didn't think we would like it, and we happen to love it. Just so. another thing on the list that separates us from actual Academy voters. Right. <laughs> uh, so, all right, let's go. Those are your three big ones: Shazam, Catastrophe, Season Four, Ferdinand. Let's do a C by skip for those three. If you had to do one of each, oh boy, I think I'd buy in. Catastrophe season four. Oh, good. Um, I'm. Oh, this is hard. I mean, I just saw. I saw them both. I mean, can I say C twice? No. That's I, the game. You have to kill one. I have to kill one. <laughs> oh man. I, I think I would see Shazam again. Okay. And after all that beautiful talk about Ferdinand, <laughs> I would skip a rewatch of Ferdinand. But I don't have kids. Like I would be totally happy to rewatch is Ferdinand. It, is it like sad? It sounds like it has the potential to be it very... It tugged my heartstrings yeah. through the middle of the movie. I'm, I'm, and I guess I'm spoiling the fact that, well, you don't expect it to end, it's sadly. It's right. Yeah. Of course. So it, it does have uh, light at the end of its tunnel. Yeah. But the tunnel gets dark. Jesus. All right. Man, not something I would have expected. All right. A uh, little wrinkle into the What We're Watching segment this week we're going to add. Not necessarily pertaining just to what we talk about as far as show or movie-wise, but Mike, what was the best thing you saw this week? It could be something on the internet, something on YouTube, whatever, something you did watch. What was the best thing you watched this week? Last week, it was Nick Kocher Everything. This week, yes. we, we had a very fun interview with Saturday Night Live writer, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia writer. I am a shameless promoter of previous <laughs> stuff we've done, but Michael, the best thing I... I've watched this week is is very nerdy of me because every time we get an NFL draft coming up, yes. I just like, I wake up You're in coach. the middle of the night. Well, that's sad. I woke up at four in the morning this morning. I watched YouTube cut-ups of college football games <laughs> from four in the morning basically until we sat down. Oh my God. And my favorite <laughs> cut-up of them all was the Will Greer versus Kyler Murray because the Giants need a quarterback. I'm a Desperately, yes. Giant fan. And I know we had a big argument in pre-production today, <laughs> but if I if I got a game on the line, I want one of those two guys. That game was like 57-56 or whatever it was. It was so much fun. Will Greer, the West Virginia quarterback there. So he's who, you, now throughout the pre-draft process, you've kind of, you've fallen in love, in and out of love, let's say, with a couple quarterbacks. But he's right now your guy. Right now, if I'm going to pick any of those guys, yeah. I'm picking, yeah, Will Greer. I would love to get him, like, in the second round. Right, sure. Uh, yeah, or, yeah, I mean, Kyler Murray's special. I mean, he's also got the thing with his feet. I mean, he's just going to run away from you. Yeah, he's going to go number one, I think. Probably. Yeah, Kyler Murray's definitely number one. All right, so Will Greer, the Will Greer draft tape, <laughs> the best thing you watch this week. That's all right, because mine's going to be equally absurd. Yes, so. what have you been watching, Mike? <laughs> what have you been watching? <laughs> Thank you. Give you a... Theme song too. I, I watched just a lot of TV stuff. I didn't really yes. watch a lot of like movies 
stuff other than us, which we watch for the purposes of this, and Pet Cemetery, which is going to be a future episode, the 1989 version. And my God, is that something? Uh, I watched Survivor, The Challenge. Nothing really remarkable happening this week. Those are just like two of the shows I keep up with. So where are they at in their stages of the season? Because they have like 42 episodes a season, correct? Yes, yes, and they've been on <laughs> forever. They must make so much money. <laughs> Survivor's got a new wrinkle this year where they have something called the Edge of Extinction, and they send like once someone gets voted out, they don't just leave the game. They're putting them all on this separate island. Wow. And next week, so this coming Wednesday, they're going to actually have the six people that I think have been voted out so far, like do something to get back in the game. I don't know if they're all coming back in or just one is, or if they're going to replace a tribe. I, it's an interesting wrinkle because people that usually you you leave and you're never going to see again, they actually have a chance to come back. Mm-hmm. I've never seen them do it this way. They've had like Exile Island and other type of things. I don't know if it's going to be similar to that, but this is a, a weird wrinkle. I don't, I always, anytime I watch a reality TV show, and somebody that's been eliminated already comes back in. Yeah, I always feel bad for the people that like voted. Like it takes a lot of work to vote someone out of these shows. Why do they get to come back in? I feel bad. It's true. It's like a get out of jail free card. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, there's no consequences. Nothing bad happens. So I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. We'll see what happens once it's like they a subplot, Mike. Right. Yeah. I don't like it. I want to watch reality TV to turn my brain <laughs> off. That's why I watch the challenge too, and that is just a mess. That show, like they just This is keep, MTV's the this challenge. This is MTV's the challenge. It's called War of the Worlds, and they've started taking in instead of just real world alumni, they've taken like people from these UK shows, they've taken people from America's Big Brother, which is my favorite reality show, so get ready for the summer. Yeah, everything that's under the Viacom umbrella, I think, is all all different uh, Viacom shows, but they, there's like a contingent of UK players that have just like made it their business to knock off every single American champion. Wow. So people that have previously won the seasons, like the first three or four people are all ex-champions, they all just got voted out, they're gone, and they're actually gone, because the challenge also sometimes brings people back. Do they have, like, 18, 12 tattoos on their <laughs> yeah, arms, like, this secretly? This for the Boston Tea Party, yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's, those have been fun watches, but they're also fairly mindless. A couple of things that actually did take some thought that I watched. Us, obviously, I can't advocate that enough. Yeah. We're both huge fans of that. We did a two-part review for a non-spoiler And episode. we really did, like, a four-episode arc on the movie. Yeah, Us. and I think it was worthwhile, and I spent a lot of time this week and defending Jordan Peele's good name against were, people that didn't like the you movie. You were all over Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I Once I heard, like, The Ringer was talking about this next week on Twitter is going to just be fisticuffs <laughs> between everybody arguing over the meanings of us and you. I just want people yeah. to watch it again. I just want, just take a second chance on it. Right. Listen to us and just see if something changes. And if it doesn't, you're a bad person. But that's okay. <laughs> but yeah, watched us and uh, the other two things that were kind of a little heavier. The Inventor, which was that HBO documentary that came out last Sunday night, I think. Okay, so what's this about? Because I saw the uh, the poster on my on demand and I didn't even look at it, but I want to know what it's about because I always love HBO documentaries. It was done by Alex Gibney, who's did the Going Clear documentary oh, on HBO. Yeah. He did the Enron Smartest Guys in the Room documentary. So a very capable documentary maker. It's, it's focused on this company called Theranos or Theranos that was run by this woman named Elizabeth Holmes who's supposed to be like this genius scientist who had 
supposedly built up the technology to study DNA and study uh, your blood, essentially anything going on with your inside your body with the smallest sample of blood. Yeah. So basically like how a diabetic pricks their fingers and can tell their blood sugar. She'd like extrapolated that idea into like telling if you were getting on the verge of being sick or telling if you have some kind of long-term illness that's just starting so you can start fighting it. It was a really like high concept idea. This is a hypochondriac's dream or nightmare? <laughs> well, I, it does have its purpose. Like if this technology actually existed, it could do a lot of good, right? Sure. If you know you're just on the verge of some long-term chronic disease and you can I catch make it right bad away. Jokes. I make bad jokes about serious. <laughs> we, we've established this. All right. So, but it, but it's a yeah, it's a high power technology. The the problem is the technology doesn't exist because it can't exist. <laughs> and she sold so many investors and people in prominent position, ex secretaries of state, uh, ex CEOs and stuff, on that she had the capability to do these things. Right. And so the documentary was basically the fallout from when she, you know, le her build up and then what happens when the cover kind of got pulled back and people started catching on that she was lying just My about God. everything. Do you mean corporate corrupt <laughs> corruption yeah, I know. has run amok to the point where they can control government agencies <laughs> and get them on board with lies that they tell to mass consumers to make us spend more money about stuff we don't need? I'm going to tell you something, Mike. Are you kidding me? Uh, We've come to this? I, I don't mean to offend you, but <laughs> yeah, it's really quite amazing that even the people in the most prominent positions can be fooled. But that is definitely a worthwhile documentary. It's like a two-hour watch. Wow. It, it, it gets a little slow in the middle, but at the, the beginning and end are definitely a high concept worthwhile, and they definitely make you feel terrible about corporations in general. So that's and good. You, and we all wonder why we're losing faith in our institutions, for <laughs> yeah, Christ's sake, on yeah. both sides. And both and one side gets mad at the other side. How can we lose faith in, faith in our institutions? This is how, Well, people. this woman went out of her way to stay a private corporation and not do uh, an, an IPO and not get on the, you know, because right. she, she wanted to keep her her stats and her technology and to her herself. information. Like a Ponzi Private, right, yeah. exactly. And, and this is, like, if you ever wanted to know why it's a bad thing that this current administration wants to run itself as a private corporation in our government, this is why. This is a great snapshot as to why. Yeah, this is scary. Because they, it makes lying so much easier, regardless of who's in power. So that was worthwhile watch. Ministry of Evil was another one that's a, it's a documentary. It's like a four-part, six-part documentary about, uh, it's called Ministry of Evil, The Twisted Cult of Tony Alamo. Really sick shit. Uh, this guy that kind of rose to power with his wife who passed away, but they were still running this cult. So he took it over and he turned it into, it was already a weird cult. Yeah. And he turned it into like this child abuse type thing. Oh, it was God. just awful. Uh, it's on Sundance TV. It's a captivating watch, but it's really, it, it turns your stomach. It's gross. People are gross. I have a hard time watching those. So do but, I. But so it, do I. it's a well done. Documentary. Very well done. And, and they talk to actually the daughter of the wife who yep. started the cult is is one of the main uh, storytellers and voiceovers throughout the whole thing. And she's very open and honest. She had to break away. She had a falling out with her mother in the early stages of the cult, and she didn't she didn't like what was going on, so she left. Her mother threatened to have her killed. She had basically was ran out of town. It was really crazy stories. But my goodness, yeah, uh, sounds uh, like a story that needs to be told though. Because it's that, a yeah. really yeah, it's got to be cathartic on some level, and it's a really it's an entertaining watch if you could stomach that type of stuff. It definitely keeps you engrossed uh, Mike yeah I mean you gotta see by skip this too I mean you have four or five things yeah but if you're you know seeing one buying one, the other skipping something else 
does, got those three options for those four things. So does us count, or does that? Is no, that us that is count. Ca- we, right. we're, we're down on us. All right, we, all right. Or up on us. <laughs> We've done us, yeah. Uh, I, I, will, I will... I will buy... I think the inventor is really important. I'll buy the inventor. Uh, I think it's a really cool story. I will definitely see the uh, the two reality shows that I quoted there because I'm a garbage person and it's garbage TV and I'm easily entertained. <laughs> and you picked, you know, you broke the game. Bottom line. So <laughs> well, I could you could skip Ministry of Evil is my point. And okay. I don't if it's not it's certainly not for everyone. Like you just said, you have a tough time. There's a lot of people that are going to have a tough time watching something like that, regardless of the entertainment value. And I I listed four things just now, but we didn't even talk about Mad Men. That's on my doc. So you you watched um, a lot more. Of I'm season almost one of done with season one of Mad Men. Yeah, yeah. and. That's a, it's a slow build. <laughs> and you basically bought that. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. I want to watch this all the way through. And right. John Hamm is maybe the most beautiful human being on earth. So Did you smoke and drink scotch as a result of this? Oh, God, if or only. did you want to? <laughs> Just wanted to like walk around my house in a suit all day. Did you pretend to smoke and drink scotch I, all week? I was giving out orders to people who don't <laughs> exist. <laughs> Pretending we, to have a phone call. Oh, this is the, why I had like 15 marketing ideas from you this week. <laughs> this is why. Yes, yes. I was making phone calls to the Coca-Cola company, even though I don't have their number. Like, Doo-doo-doo! The number you have dialed. You were like fantasizing about being a madman. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But the, the best thing I watched this week, just to wrap up the What We're Watching segment. Yeah, I was supposed to set you up there. Yeah, like bad right. I got you. There's a meme <laughs> online that I just saw right before you came. Okay. That's, um, it's a video meme, and it says, whenever your friend has a bit of gossip to tell you, and you click play, and it's Celine Dion singing My Heart Will Go On, but it's just her saying, go on. So it's like, my friend's got a, my, your friend comes to you, he's like, I got something to tell you, and it's just you saying, go on. I was laughing. It's kind of funny. For a yeah. solid 60 to 70 seconds. That's kind of funny in an audible format. <laughs> I'm guessing a lot of the funny is there in a visual medium. You had to be there. Yes, okay. I'm glad I could walk you through that with <laughs> just <good>. my voice. <laughs> Let's talk about some audience interaction stuff this week, Mike. Yeah, MMO asks, we got one carryover from last week. We asked you for your top five horror movie experiences and our friends at the Film Flamers, a horror movie podcast, at the Film Flamers, spelled out. Mm -hmm. They said, great episode, referring back to our episode on our top fives uh, horror movie experiences. They said, great episode. I saw Night of the Living Dead, 1968, randomly one late summer night on PBS when I was 13. On PBS? Completely changed who I was as a person and horror fan. It showed me that horror has a voice that speaks far beyond my own experience. This was from Robert at the Film Flamers. We really like those guys. We've been yeah. interacting with them a bunch lately. And bottom line is, this kind of was a major thesis statement for a lot of what we talked about in that episode. Sure. And I just any other, you know experiences that you had maybe with the classics i got one that sticks out for me especially on the on the heels of us any other experiences with a horror classic like really change your view, viewpoint on what the genre was capable of i know you talked about scream really usher you yeah you, scream did a lot you know, for into me, the genre that's, love that's not a classic uh Halloween, like, I was so inundated with, I, I know you're sick of hearing me talk about No, this Halloween, is great. But Halloween was kind of like, it can show you, since I was raised on bloody horror. Yeah, 1978. I watched the 78 original and, way back when I was a teenager, and it's like, oh, 
you can actually have like a scary suspenseful thriller without having any gore whatsoever and really that that the theater of the mind idea that carpenter pitched kind yep. of stuck out obviously that's the best example i can come up with but that one really was like oh it's a totally different way you can do horror just as effectively without the eli roth bl- buckets of blood thing that's like my favorite retrospective we've done yeah. in any form I, I like that, that episode like we went so long on it yeah. but we we watched we we broke that down like crazy and you know the ringer who we got <laughs> 1978's halloween down pat i'm very proud of that episode and that whole franchise review what about you mike for me, it's The Shining. You oh, know, sure. That, that documentary, you know, Room 237, yeah, really awesome. you know, shows so many ways you can take that movie. And yeah. Stanley Kubrick kind of doing it all on purpose with all those different tangents mm. on how he wanted you to, you know, think about The Shining and how he left you with a puzzle and how Jordan Peele kind of did a lot of those same things sure. with us. And everybody got on him because some things are unclear, but it should be unclear, right? This would be a movie to study for a decade, yeah. us. You know, if, if it does hold our attention going forward you know the shining did that in a major way and i never thought horror could be such a you know just a ethical treatise sure. on what we need to study from history past i mean that movie's about world war ii it's about the you know the, the native american experience it's it's about so many things the shining and us is about all that stuff as well it's pretty awesome yeah and that's again we, this is one of my thesis i guess in, in defending us this the weekend CIA? yeah there you go uh but I don't think it's. I, I think there's stuff that you just have to kind of. You got to think about, and you got to leave the theater thinking. And that's kind of. It's not for everyone. I get that, but uh, The Shining definitely does that in the same vein. And watch Room Two Thirty Seven. Amazing documentary. I love that documentary. Yes, great documentary. Mike, we also did an MMO ass after the new Once Upon a Time in Hollywood trailer. We asked the, our listeners, our followers, which actor or actress who hasn't yet worked with Quentin Tarantino would you like to see star in his next film after Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? We had some uh, diverse responses here. Amy Thomason at A. Thomason with two S's at 11 at the end of that. Numbers 11. (laughs) Amy Adams, she says. She's like, I just watched Doubt and the woman can do anything. She's amazing. Seriously, though, it's it's perfect. The acting, directing, screenplay, masterful on every level. I agree. Doubt is one of my favorites. I love Doubt. And, yeah, Amy Adams would do well. She's done well in Paul Thomas Anderson. She could play character character parts. I would think that her role in American Hustle is, like, what you would get if she was in a Tarantino-type movie. True. You but, know? She, you know, she's also got teeth with the vice role. Oh, sure. Right? Sure. So she could play nasty. I wonder if she could play anti-hero, a fun anti-hero. Can she play a fun anti-hero? Because most everybody in a Quentin Tarantino movie is a lovable scoundrel, right? Have we had Amy Adams as like a hard lead? A rival, yeah, I guess. But uh, has she done a lot of stuff where it's been all about her? She's always super duper likable, which makes it interesting when she plays a Lynn Chaney type, right? But yeah, I mean, a rival, she's a a lead in that. Uh, But I don't know. I don't know if she could play that character bit part where she's the lovable scoundrel. She's might be, be interesting. Too, might be too beautiful in, in a way <laughs> too because capable? she yeah. has like this Disney animated character face. Well, especially on the heels of Enchanted. I would like to see movie. Amy Adams play a movie star that behind the camera is an absolute total nightmare of a oh, person. Oh, that'd be cool. That'd be a good. Quentin Tarantino movie. Like, it, she's just the worst person. She'd have her cast her in Gloria Swanson's role, but have it be more on <laughs> that, set stuff. That know? could be fun. The Sunset right. Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Glenn Close again. Uh, Aaron at Aaron V. Official, frequent flyer here. Emma Stone. Since she's worked with Alejandro Inarritu, De 
Damien Chazelle and Yorgos, of course, all great films, very different types of directors, and all completely different characters. Yeah, Emma Stone can do anything as well. Super talented, and I, I'm in awe of her last few years, too. That's that's a great choice. I'm and tired of being skeptical of if Emma Stone can pull something off and being proven wrong. So, yeah, she can do whatever. <laughs> She's got facial expression game, yeah, too, right? She does. So that, yeah. that would work. Th- thanks for leaving me with this uh, name. Yeah. Wojcik? Yeah, Wojcik. Wojcik. Wyzerek? Wyzerek. I think. I'm sorry, Wojcik. I am Polish. I should know that. At W-O-J-C-I-E-C-H-W-I-E-C-Z-O-R. I I can sing that because that's a a beautiful name. Uh, He says uh, Chris Hemsworth, Emma Stone, Tessa Thompson, Ed Norton. So out of those four, you're going to see, see by skip those. Really quick, Mike. Can you imagine Ed Norton working with Tarantino on set? What a disaster that would be behind the or scenes. Or would they be best friends? Well, yeah, either Would or. they be best friends one day and mortal <laughs> enemies the next? There'd be no, there'd be no middle ground. I, I, see by skip, I will buy Emma Stone, obviously. I would love to see Ed Norton in anything. Uh, I, he was one of my favorite actors uh, and ha- always has been. I would love to see him, I, I said this, I think, as a response to it. I'd love to see him as the carnage in uh, the Venom universe there. I always right. want to see him as Leaf as as Cassidy Leaf Cassidy I think that's his name not positive but uh, I guess I'll skip Chris Hemsworth yeah I'm the same and, and I'm like seeing Emma Stone I'm I'm probably buying Tessa Thompson and Ed Norton I would love to see Tessa Thompson too those those are four great actresses those are, yeah great great answer there Ethan May at Movie Fanatic 200 Sam Rockwell and Natalie Portman that seems easy enough right that's perfect kind of yeah, casts they, itself why, too. why haven't they right. been cast in a Tarantino <laughs> movie yet like what is he or even alongside one another I would see anything they're co-headlining that would be very interesting because she could play a whole range and he could play a whole range of a, of an antagonist. Angry right? white guys, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he really can't play that lovable hero yet, though, has he? He's always got an edge to him. He's been, yeah, he's been aloof. Like, his role in Iron Man 2 was, was very, uh... You know, it was it was likable, even though he was supposed to be the antagonist. But they can both play lovable scoundrels, yeah. though. So that makes sense for Tarantino. Lewis Anderson at Lewis is tweeting. Not spelled that out. Louis Anderson, is it? <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix and Emma Stone. So add another Emma Stone to the list. And Joaquin Phoenix makes some good sense. A lot of Paul Thomas Anderson. I think I, I just want to see a cast on a Tarantino movie of the most eccentric people in Hollywood, like the Ed Norton, Joaquin Phoenix. Let's right. let's get Kanye in there for a cameo. Like just have the most diverse and extreme personalities we can <laughs> under one roof, and have Tarantino tell him, "All right, in this scene, you're gonna get your head chopped off and a." cascade of blood is going to just float up. <laughs> Jason Lloyd, at Jason Lloyd, easy enough, L-O-Y-D. Uh, if he was to make another film, Javier Bardem, this one, obviously, again, seems like right itself. I would love to see Anton Chigurh make its way into the uh, Tarantino-verse. Yeah, why, why hasn't he been in one yet? Working class musician, at class musician, spelled out, says Adam Driver. This is interesting because I feel like Adam Driver is like more of a straight man next to the 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 charismatic characters. He did that in Black Klansman for sure. Like John David Washington had all this personality and Adam Driver had like a... Same for Kylo Ren in Star Wars. He's he's very, you know, yeah, plays he, it close to the vest. He, yeah, but he, he did give some personality away. Maybe I'm just an idiot. This might might be the <laughs> thesis statement of that answer for me. I did, yeah, I, Adam Driver. Gordon. I did appreciate, too, how, like, this seems to be very recently awards-driven, all these answers. Emma Stone, Adam Driver, people that have just recently been nominated in a couple categories, so that seems to be where most people's heads at, understand This so. next one scares me, though, this last one. It's not going to work. Holmes Movies, at Holmes Movies Pods, Kyle McLaughlin, and for actress Elizabeth Debicki. Okay, 
Elizabeth Debicki, I totally understand. Kyle McLaughlin, you'd have to get clearance from David Lynch, right? He's not he, allowed to do anything he else. Only to work with <laughs> David Lynch, and he's already played the craziest characters. If he's not like the detective character from the Lynchian universe, <laughs> what does that do? Like that just ruins my center of gravity. I mean, he's going to be in Dune again, the remake, I think, right? But I, I think, I think again, ruins my center Lynch. Of gravity. Lynch had to sign a waiver to have to rent him. <laughs> To Villeneuve, I think so. We're okay there. Elizabeth Debicki definitely can handle a long she's range. Awesome. We've seen her in a bunch of stuff. She plays a scoundrel in yeah. the tale. She's, you know, and Kyle MacLachlan has he. Well, he obviously he played the scoundrel, but he plays it with such deadpan in the Twin Peaks. Well, he could be extreme. Uh, like talk the, about doppelgangers. Yeah, the the doppelganger was very almost comic like. Right. Know, it was like bordering on so goofy. over the top. Yeah, so over the top. That could work. Yeah. Maybe he, again, play an actor that is on, that way on screen, and then off screen is something Just totally the different. most boring person ever. <laughs> That's pretty good. So, MMOX part two here. Part two. Part two. You, you asked the question, was there ever a movie you watched with a parent slash sibling that made it super Awkward. We've all felt this before, correct? Yes. Uh, what came to mind? What made me think? I think about Mulholland Drive eight to nine times a you day. You did not. Well, I I told you this on a previous podcast. Thanks for listening. That when the first time I watched Mulholland Drive, my parents walked in when I was like fifteen. They walked in as the old people were walking out of the paper bag at the end, <laughs> and they're like, "What the hell are you watching?" And I was like, "I don't know." <laughs> oh my god! I can't believe you watched that. But they just walked in. They, and they, they left. watched the whole thing with me. Yeah, they left. They left for. Weeks. Oh, <laughs> my dad good. was like, I got to go get milk. <laughs> All right, well, let's get in some audience, and I'll give my story at the end because I got one too. But it's uh, Sek, S-E-K, at It Was Like Magic 1. I love that name. Yeah, she says Dirty Dancing. Now, why does Dirty Dancing... I was going to ask you. I don't all get All parents that. love Dirty Dancing. Yeah. Maybe but his, maybe ma- she loves it so much that she's dancing in front of the TV. I was going to say maybe Swayze grabbed the hips too close parental approval i don't know maybe maybe her parents are amish or maybe they maybe she lives in a town where they don't they don't allow dancing maybe her parents are basically the footloose (laughs) parents or the dirty dancing parents that's true too i I don't know i don't know that's interesting yeah that we want to know of course if her parents are amish she wouldn't be watching no quakers but still no They basically have to be the white honkies uh, slash yuppies from Dirty Dancing. Fair enough. Those grooves are not allowed. They're illegal. They're so dirty. Honesty check. At Honesty Check Pod said super bad. Yeah, that, I can see this. Yeah, that's self-explanatory. Super bad. I, I can't imagine. Go run down the list of that cast list, and it really is amazing to see where Hollywood <laughs> is now and who was in that But movie. that could be an awkward, oh, funny sure. movie sure. with parents or yeah. siblings. Two young siblings would be like, oh, damn it. I introduced them to this concept. Concept. Yeah. Now, damn it. <laughs> Ryan L. Terry at RL Terry, one other freaking flyer, our friend, says, upon one of my sister's visits, she wanted to see Rocky Horror Picture Show, uh, Shadowcast. That's not what's awkward and funny here. My brother-in-law was with her, and he had no idea what he was in for. No boy. He's a good old boy from the deep south. And to see the reaction on his face, dash priceless yeah i could see that being rough for him <laughs> i could definitely see him having an issue with a little bit of uh, the cross-dressing that goes on there colby mack at colby told me uh, another another guy that we love to talk to blue valentine don't watch that with people don't watch that with people don't watch that <laughs> I, 
listen, Blue it's Valley, a great movie. It's a pretty good movie, right? But it's it's it, I've never rewatched it. I've never no, had the desire why would to rewatch you? it. Of course not. It's a heavy yeah. relationship drama. Like I'm afraid of further relationships in my life because of that movie. Yeah, we just had to pause because I made a Dennis Hopper joke and I realized I was thinking of Blue Velvet, which is equally don't watch that. Well, uh, I got I got a story yeah. coming up on that. Movie. Okay, all right. So, uh, floating opal at Diana with two ends. Number one. St. So Diana first. Oh, a uh, first of three, spelled out of number three. <laughs> That's hell of a handle. <laughs> Snow falling on cedars with my mom and a bunch of other old ladies at our local public library. I seen this film, Snow Falling on Cedars. This is an epic, right? I think, or maybe I'm thinking of another. I think it's like a long epic romance movie. It is. It looks that way. I've never seen it. I can't remember it, It's Ethan Hawke. Here's the IMDb uh, synopsis. A Japanese-American fisherman is accused of killing his neighbor at sea. In the 1950s, race figures into the trial. So does reporter Ishmael. Right. I don't remember it. I don't remember the movie. I have no recollection of this movie. I have seen it. I know I have seen it. I think it's on a list somewhere of mine. Maybe I haven't seen it. She's shit. Right. My brain I, is I've so clogged with movie even information. Heard of Richard Jenkins is in it. Max von Sydow is in it. I've never James Cromwell. I've never heard of this movie. And Ethan Hawke's the lead. Okay, unbelievable. Well, I will take your word for it. I won't watch <laughs> that with my uh, anybody I know. Okay, Jessica Butta at J Butta B U T T A. If that's if that's her real name, she must have gotten made like not made fun of, but like Butta. yeah, that lends itself to so many. It's kind of cool now. She has to be smooth, right? She's like, got to be cool. Smooth. She's smooth like Butta. <laughs> that's such a dorky dad joke. You're such a nerd. She says chasing Amy with my father and boyfriend when we were 17. Yeah, that's awkward. I think maybe just. Just as, like, for life advice, don't watch anything with both a father and a boyfriend in the room. <laughs> yeah, but definitely not a Kevin and, Smith yeah, movie. Yeah, no, not a Kevin Smith movie especially. But. Oh, and that one makes some jokes, too. Yeah. Those are some, yeah. some <laughs> awkward jokes in that movie. That That's a great one. Marcus H. says at, he's at Tyler H-S-I-E-H. He said Deadpool. Deadpool being awkward? Yeah, there's some weird jokes. Weird humor, meta humor. A lot of penis jokes, a lot of oh. vagina. Oh, jokes. yeah, 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 yeah. With the old, with the old, uh, old roommate, especially. Yeah, a lot okay. of drug jokes. Yeah, all right, a lot I got that. Gruesome violence out of nowhere yeah. stuff. I didn't, I didn't remember that, but yes, you're right. <laughs> Don't watch that with people. <laughs> and finally, from our audience, Ryan Metzger at Film Lover eighty five says South Park bigger, longer, and uncut with my mom while in the eighth grade. Yeah. Did you go to the movies to see it too? <laughs> yeah, it must have been. Oh no. I could see that having an issue. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, that movie is filthy. <laughs> filthy. It's about being but it's about filthy movies and there's a whole meta joke about filthy movies yeah. within the movie. God, I love South Park, but no, don't do that. What would Brian Boitano do? <laughs> uh all right, Mike, what's your story? So I suggested to a coworker 10 years ago, that she watched Blue Velvet with Dennis Hopper. (laughs) Yes. And of course, she took it as me just telling her to watch a good movie, right? (laughs) So she watched it with her mother. Oh, no. And that movie's like, it starts out very nice. Chris Isaac singing, and it's a murder (laughs) mystery, and it's David Lynch. And by the middle of the movie, it goes off the rails with Dennis Hopper's character. (laughs) And of course, it's like the most disgusting, (laughs) depraved thing you've ever seen. And it just hits you like like an 18-wheeler truck. And she watched the entire thing with her mother and hated me the next day. Rightfully so. (laughs) Rightfully so on her part. Yeah. So yeah, that's my story. move into a box office update, talk about the numbers for this week. Oh, stop! 
dominated the box office. $70.3 million domestically, along with $16.7 internationally. It's up to about $87 million total worldwide. The updated specs for it, 94% on Rotten Tomato. That hasn't moved. A 69% audience score. Uh, that's been up and down from what I've seen over the weekend. Sure. Uh, IMDb is up to a 7.6. Remember that Get Out has a 7.7, so that kind of works. Meta rating is moving up. That's an 81. It was an 80 when we did it. So I guess uh, the Hollywood Reporter is also citing that the $20 million production budget that it had doesn't cover marketing costs as well. But regardless, this movie's going to make money. Regardless, it's make. Regardly. Mm-hmm. Regardly, it's making a ton of money. I just go with it. We don't have to edit that. Yeah. So, regardless, it's making a ton of money, and it's higher than we projected in our last podcast about us, which was like our fourth podcast about us. <laughs> so, this would be number five where we're updating you on stats. But it's a fun roller coaster ride with these projections to the point where they're basically weather people in, in terms of the projection. I wonder it. why that they're is. They're meteorologists. Yeah, I wonder why that is, why it's been so all over the place, because it started 35 to 40 million. Some people were projecting to be up to over 100. We moved back, and now we're saying about 100 million, or 70 million as we record this on a Sunday, so we won't know for sure until Monday morning comes, but I, I wonder why it's so tough to nail we all, down. Yeah, we also say the darndest things all the time, like little children. We just call out your bullshit, so basically <laughs> when a studio says 50 million, they're typically kind of lowballing it, right? because they wanted the perception at the end of the day that they made more than they thought, right? Right. This is more successful than we ever thought possible. So we should know that in in one way, shape, or form, that on a Friday, typically, it's probably going to overperform. We should have known that. I kind of, I was going to say it, and I didn't say it in that pod. So I am full of shit as well. <laughs> There's only been, only been one movie since 2017 that had an opening of $70 million or more that didn't break $200 million domestically. That was the Halloween sequel in 2018 that still did $150 million domestically. So yeah, this is going to do more than Halloween, I would think. Who knows? Well, the thing is, like, the mis- mixed audience reception... I mean, it's not necessarily mixed. It's just, like, three quarters. But this movie could puzzle you it also could make you look at yourself critically which i don't know if it's a, god forbid god forbid <laughs> but that typically for you know casual moviegoer why does that you know play on them i am leaning more so into this is going to be around for original screenplay i ju- it's just the critics people that think highly of movies think yeah. highly of this enough. there's a big flaw to that screenplay ryan l terry was going we were chatting on twitter and i agree with him and i the more i think about it like the subplots that they're that they're using and the mystery that they're unraveling like he's not accustomed to unraveling a mystery with humongous stakes because he's got mythology involved he's got all this stuff like the get out mystery was very small and focused and with a laser he was able to unravel that and like bing bang boom three scenes this movie it's just so vast and it means so much that when he does when he uses his customary three or four scenes and he adds the prologue stuff it, it it didn't work you know structure it definitely leaves leaves a lot of questions but um you're both wrong so <laughs> number 2 for this week was captain marvel uh, that's on its way. It's made over $900 million in total right now. If you go by its projections, if it loses 50% of its domestic audience per week and it loses another 60% of its international week per week, it's going to sniff that $1 billion mark. If uh, Projections, if you go by that number, it might fall just short if it keeps up in that way, but it should be right around $1 billion by the time this thing's out of theaters. So. That's incredible. Yeah. You know, for launching a, uh, a new series... In the MCU, I mean, and make a billion dollars with a with a high budget. That's that's awesome. I mean, look at Ant Man, the sequel 
only made like 500 million worldwide yeah. at the end of the day and that's still you know making money or treading water and this film just uh make it a billion dollars that can't be bad if right? it were to be pulled out of theaters right now it would already be the 52nd highest grossing movie worldwide of all time if it goes up to a billion it'll be around 37 36 all time so Sorry, trolls. You tried. It's a hugely successful yeah. blockbuster. Wonder Park made $9 million this weekend. That's the animated film about amusement parks with porcupines and evil zombie monkeys. $29 million domestically, $10 million internationally, $39 million total. This didn't do all that well critically or in terms of box office budget is not listed there, Michael. I don't have much on Wonder Park. Have you have you heard anything about this? I, I don't have a desire to see it. Maybe mm, I'll watch either. it. I mean, the, the trailer has trailer has its moments. I've seen the trailer 17,000 times, I think, though, okay. which shows you I've seen way too many movies. You do watch a lot, yeah. So that uh, I've seen that trailer too many times. <laughs> Five Feet Apart made $8.7 million. Haley R- Lou Richardson's Charisma, which we said we were going to... You know, shout that out, but we didn't in our audience interaction. By the way, we were bumping six degrees of separation. Yeah, we forgot to mention that. Of but MMO, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, well, it is six And our review of six degrees of separation, <laughs> a Will Smith movie. But we, yeah, we are bumping that. It's a Taylor Lou Richardson to, to Jordan Peele. Jordan and Peele. we're bumping that to next week because we didn't have time to promote it because we went out on us, us deep dive in terms of our own inner selves and the movie <laughs> Us because I don't like to stop and actually pause when I speak. Correct. But five Feet Apart made 8.7 on the weekend and 26 domestically totaled right now with a 6 international total. That's 32 worldwide. They gotta kind of feel a little bad about that I would think I would think the the blueprint for that type of movie is The Fault in Our Stars well The Fault in Our Stars is the hit right which did amazing at the box office it was a 300 million dollar plus film worldwide this obviously is going to fall well short of that but even 20 something million they gotta they gotta be a little disappointed with how it's doing they're shooting for it How to Train Your Dragon 3 6.5 million dollar weekend in 5th 145 domestic total 342 international total for a 488 worldwide on a 129 million dollar budget mike half a billion dollars for how to train your dragon three talk about a franchise that can print money that's good uh apollo 11's up to almost seven million worldwide it really hasn't released internationally though fighting with my family's up to 23.8 million we have those in our oscar sprint profile playlist go see those movies we recommend them they're not being seen enough by the box office faithful, and we also think you should listen to those episodes because we like those movies. Yeah, and Apollo Eleven, especially if you're an American, you you owe it to yourself to see that movie. Yeah, go America. Yeah, Damn it. let's go. And that's that's a hell of a movie. Yeah. Only one movie in the uh, top twenty, top twenty nine actually for this week that cracked. Only one new movie, and that was Us, which led the box office seventy million dollars. So good to know there. That's your box office update. Let's talk about some other news stories and ask ourselves if we care about them. segment this is where we take other news stories of the week we ask each other do we should we or will we care about them we usually start off the do you care segment with upcoming releases for this week and mike this week coming out we have the beach bum the matthew mcconaughey led picture that's coming out in limited release unplanned is hitting a thousand theaters the movie diane is hitting three theaters the big release of this week though and the one that will probably leave the box office dumbo the live action remake from disney hitting four thousand theaters do we care about it i am rooting so hard for dumbo to just get crushed by us (laughs) 
And I hope us make 75 next next week. That would but, be great. Look, I care about the beach bum. I'm a little worried about the critical reception. It was at 55% on Rotten Tomatoes. But that was what big, the Big Lebowski got. Harmony Corrine is an acquired taste. Maybe that factors in. That's a putting it lightly. <laughs> I had some trepidation about the film based on its up-tempo in the trailer, and I'm wondering if it's an art film, it's going to be a slower-paced film, doesn't really work with screwball comedy, if in fact that's what it is. I don't know. The beach bum intrigues me at the end of the day. Dumbo, I have not been on board for this from the beginning. Yeah, he does look adorable. That baby elephant, computerized, looks adorable. So they're going to manipulate my emotions about a mommy and a baby elephant. I don't that know whole that movie. a movie, movie studio would do that. Would they manipulate emotions? And then then it's going to be one of those movies that Tim Burton just disappoints me again. Tim Burton, take a look at his last little, uh, his little filmography here that he's done. Dumbo, Miss Pettigreen's Home for Peculiar Children, Big Eyes, uh, The Killers was a video short, Frankenweenie, Dark Shadows, Alice in Wonderland, since 2010, those are his titles. Not really killing it lately. I'm not a fan of his Disney work right now. I'm not, not either. And that's, I, I'm, I, I feel like bad to say that. I like, I like Tim Burton generally, but I feel like he could, he should separate himself from the mouse maybe. As if anyone can. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I want him to get an edge about him again. Yeah. Let's have a renaissance. Let's have, uh, you know, let's have another Ed Wood. Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to sign up for that in a heartbeat. Sure. Uh, Dumb Dumbo, I'm not in for. I don't think we're going to be in for it as a podcast unless it gets like 100%. Unplanned is a movie about abortion. Diane is a movie that early 100% on 15 reviews, 86 Metascore. Diane fills her days helping others and desperately attempting to bond with her drug-addicted son. As these pieces of her existence begin to fade, she finds herself confronting memories she'd sooner forget than face. That seems super-duper heavy, but we, as an Oscars podcast, watch super-duper heavy movies, so maybe we'll watch Unplanned if it ever gets good reviews. And Diane, which already has good reviews, maybe we shall watch them. I watch too many things. Giant Metascore for Diane. Diane, even though it's only nine reviews right now, but it's an 86 Metascore, 6.1 IMDb score. Yeah, you have to cut me off, otherwise I'll just keep speaking. I know. You know that by now. I'm just realizing that you know Pitch that me now. the next story, is what <laughs> I'm saying. <laughs> Disney closes the $71.3 billion deal to acquire 20th Century Fox. Do you care about this one? Of course. Everyone that watches movies and any kind of entertainment cares, and it's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Like, yay, we get the X-Men in the MCU, we get Spider-Man in the MCU full-time, yay, yay, yay. But well, there's Spider-Man a downside. Yeah. yeah, the downside yeah. is that a billion people are going to lose their jobs. It's, it's sad. I mean, ten thousand families, I think, was the last site, and people fear that it could be more, especially on the television side. I've read in the Hollywood Reporter, TV, the TV people are expecting deep, deep cuts. Uh, a lot of families are going to be without income, and that's very, very sad and very not good because the economy is still. I don't know if it's ever going to get back to where it was, but it's still not certainly back to where it was pre-crash back in 2008. So. Yeah. Uh, this, this, it's not it's not fun. It's not all fun in games. And I think that if you're excited for the X-Men, you're excited for the, this conglomerate in entertainment, the Disney streaming service that's going to come up, are they going to buy something like Hulu, which has been rumored? Are they going to buy one of those streaming services? Uh, is Disney going to buy Apple? Or not Apple, I'm sorry. Is Disney going to maybe go forward and buying HBO or something like that? Yeah. I mean, you could talk about those, but every time when, when any kind of, industry gets consolidated there's a lot of victims that are left by the wayside and they're usually little people that can't really fight for themselves yeah that's sad it's a shame and at least we have laws you know going against monopolies right there's no monopolies of course (laughs) we're supposed to have laws against that yeah it's it's unfortunate and yeah fuck (laughs) 
It's bad. It's bad. It is bad, and it's really sad. And there's people that have dedicated their lives to these companies. Now, that, that being said, going to lose their jobs. That being said, if they you know create more offshoots, if Disney creates more offshoots and other companies out of it, once they own these properties, and X Men becomes a huge seller, sure. and now you have Disney hiring a lot of people for every production, but it gets very you know they kind of stay in house for what they do. Of course, do. you'd like to think the best. You like to hope for the best, and uh, maybe they can fix some of these job loss. Somehow, no. I don't know how, well, but are they integrating X Men into the MCU, or are they going to have like a parallel universe? Because if it's a parallel universe, cinematic universe in its own right, maybe that is some other twenty, you know, film yeah. list of movies on possibilities can, that you so could have hire people. Back maybe there's sure. a silver lining at the end of the day, but it doesn't look good as of this moment. Yeah, not 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 thrilled about it. Thrilled about it from a movie standpoint, but certainly the there's more to to reality and there's more actual stakes involved than just what we see on the screen at times. Absolutely. Uh, next story: filming begins for Dune from Denis Villeneuve. Mike, do we care about this? I love this cast and crew. Oscar yeah, Isaac. Not? Everyone famous is in it. Yeah, Zendaya, <laughs> Jason Momoa, Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson from the Mission Impossible, Josh Brolin, he is Thanos, Dave Bautista, Stellan Skarsgård. We love there him. There he is. With a Skarsgård. <laughs> Charlotte Rampling. I mean, he's the director of Sicario and Arrival. Denis Villeneuve. I suck at pronouncing French words, but <laughs> bottom line, Mike, I am not a huge fan of this property. I've tried to re- listen to the audio book. I have tried to watch the David Lynch film. I have failed at both of those endeavors, and I usually make it through everything that I start. I, the only Dune property that I really love was Jodorowsky's, Jodorowsky's Dune, which is a great documentary, and I, I it spoils the whole story of Dune, FYI, if you don't want to get spoiled. But I've been hearing buzz that this is going to break through as an Oscars movie by a lot of you know sci-fi fans on all, the, all those fun blogs like Slash Film and, and, and blogs that I read. And turn, I'm a big sci-fi fan, so I'm hopeful. Certainly that has they the can, talent attached to it to be a, an Oscar contender, both behind the camera and in front of it. It's got to have a hell of a script if everybody's going at this and, and signing on, right? Yeah, and I like these big ensemble pieces. It used to be, you know, you get a bunch of A-listers together, you give them all one scene each, and you get a New Year's Day or a Valentine's Day type thing, and that's like that's how you make your money on those type of pictures. Yeah. Now, that I don't know if it's because there's so many outlets that so many new stars have been created that now we have these pictures where there's like three or four A-listers that all come together to make this one huge project. Uh, and more evidence of this, not only in Dune, but Christopher Nolan's casting for his new movie where he's bringing in John David Washington, Elizabeth Debicki, and a couple other big names uh, that was going around the internet this week. Yeah, so, the ensembles are the way to go. Right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. for these blockbusters that, you know, become Oscar films that become blockbuster hits at the same time yeah maybe yeah i'm excited i'm I'm curious to see the final product i know the first one didn't go over so well so i'm surprised there's this much money being poured into this one but again villeneuve seems to get his hand on old sci-fi properties and just get money thrown at him he didn't make a lot of money with blade runner 2049 that that did not make that was not profitable but it didn't make money because it cost so much to put it to put out right well what are they doing with this one i know i know but this one is a bigger you know following you know blade runner Does was it? An art then film. blade runner a ridley scott art film in the in the 80s i guess this one has a book at least leading up to it. a lot of people read it i think i read it in school way back in the day yeah, everybody's read this book yeah. i mean it's pretty pretty damn popular mm. book it's like the bible lord of the rings and dune <laughs> They've sold the most. I, of course, Which that's not one true. is bigger fiction? Uh, no, I'm just kidding. So number four, Michael, Netflix will have no films at the Cannes Film Festival. You have thoughts on this. What are they? I'm curious as to what 
is going on between Netflix and the film festivals at large? Because there was a huge falling out last year or the year before, I can't remember, between Netflix like kind of stopping their feet, and that led to them holding back last year's Roma from getting exposed at many film festivals. Did that impact how Roma was received by the Academy? Does Netflix kind of playing games with the distribution at these film festivals impact the Academy at large, which certainly impacts people like Steven Spielberg. We've heard him uh, speak on the record multiple times about Netflix and movies that are only streaming and available on television as opposed to being in theaters. Uh, I wonder what the bigger fallout from this is going to be. Does it make sense for them to not play nice with the film festivals? I don't know. I don't know either, but what I'm guessing here is that Netflix is having an ongoing debate with the Academy. The prestige yeah. of their brand is at stake if Steven Spielberg gets his way and they have to... And, and they're basically their marketing model. Their model of the way they do business by gaining you know a lot of prestige movie viewers into their subscription service is also at stake because they need the Romas to bring us into Netflix as, as an imperative. And I'm wondering if they... If they have a big public dispute with Can again, which they've had before, yeah, which last year's a lot of bad press all around. If they have another big public dispute with them while this is being negotiated with the Academy and debated within the Academy. Is that just a, a you know can of worms that they just don't want to deal with? So this one story, all right, it's a blip for right. a week, a news cycle where all right, no movies that can. I guess that kind of sucks. Whatever, it sucks for them, sucks for us. And Netflix's biggest Oscars type movie, which is where you know Cannes is really concentrated on Oscar type contenders. Sure. I don't think it's available yet anyway. The Irishman. I don't think that's going to be out yet okay. anyway. So are they really missing anything anyway is kind of the question. Maybe they can get away scot-free and have this just be a blip. If Scorsese's movie was ready now Correct. and they're putting, they're kind of stopping their feet here, I yeah, absolutely right. This could have been a huge story, but I think that right now this might be nothing. It's probably a smart play right. by Netflix. And they've already kind of given into the film festivals a little bit in that they are releasing very limited and they're not available wide at all, but they do, for their Oscar contenders, release into theaters. Roma had a theatrical release. Yeah, the Irishman, they're planning on a theatrical release. They're negotiating or they have negotiated with Scorsese about giving it a theatrical release. Yeah. The question is, you know, the exclusivity of the Irishman for the Netflix platform. Are they going to do it like Amazon Prime? Just done did it with Cold War. Are they going to do it like they had with Roma, where they okay, you know, for a two, couple weeks we got it in ten theaters in New York and L.A. and then all right, that's your theatrical release, or or is it three thousand theaters for two yeah. weeks and then it's only available on Netflix? What is their you know strategy here? It, it is it is quite quite interesting, and I, if you want to read the award circuit article, our buddy Clayton Davis there uh, had a great write up. He goes into why there's such a tension between Cannes specifically and Netflix because of the rules for getting in the festival there and what's available, yeah. what's now can be nominated for the best film award at Cannes, the Palm d'Or. Uh, really worth your time. Go check that out on award circuit. Let's wrap up here with some trailer thoughts. Trailer thoughts. Big week for trailers this week, Mike, uh, and some big names coming out. Let's start with the biggest one, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, finally gets its first look uh, at large. This came out early in the week. Everybody's seen it by now. Tell me why Brad Pitt and Leo DiCaprio look so dreamy all the time. We get a great scene with them, DiCaprio being interviewed, and DiCaprio seems like such a jerk in this movie. I love it. these two were at a bar. 
yeah. fighting over the same woman. Who leaves with her? Brad Pitt would probably defer to Leo because he works for him. <laughs> oh, oh seriously, like these characters in this horrible cave <laughs> in this horrible caveman you know scenario. That yes, just yes, pitched. very, very basic, very stupid of me, but. <laughs> no, but but I don't know. I don't know if they're competing. These are the most beautiful people on earth. The two of them, Margot Robbie. These are the prettiest people in the history of cinema. They're gorgeous, but Leo's acting ability in this trailer. It's some of my favorite moments of the year. Yeah, and in fact, I don't know which is my favorite trailer on the year so far is it that us trailer that dropped on christmas day which technically is last that's year. last year right so you I can get out of here that was my favorite trailer yeah. from last year this is my favorite trailer of this year that's where i'm at i love leo in this so hard that dancing gif is the greatest when he's dancing like at that 1950s style just shaking his hips and like running and he's running for his upper yeah. lip oh my god it kills me and then you have of course the the ending of that trailer where the little girl is like yeah, that's the greatest I've ever seen. <laughs> and then he's like biting his fist because he's, he's trying not to cry after she walks away from him. And he's like, oh, fuck, man, that's great. I can't, this is a moment of my life. That's so good. Damon Harriman. We had a first look at Charles Manson. I think that's Charles Manson. He anyway. looks just like him. Yep. Uh, he's. I'm more and more convinced that Manson is going to be killed in this movie. So that's my question to you is, do you think he's going to rewrite history as he's done in the past? Are you going to be tipped off to that fact if it's being delayed in the film while we're watching we're watching this movie? If it's delayed to the end, do we think we're going to get a rewrite of history? We're going to get, you know, Margot Robbie, Robbie Sharon Tate, you know, see, with her vengeance beyond the grave? See, here's the thing. The rewriting of history that went on in Inglorious Bastards without spoiling what it was, it... it was the focus of the movie, it, right? It was the so climax. It ha- of the movie, I don't yeah. think that's going to be the focus of this movie. So it, I wouldn't be surprised if, if that does happen, if it was something thrown in the middle. That's super duper heavy with the tone of this movie, though, isn't it? Well, it could be done in like a comedic way before he even gets started with the Manson family, too. You know, like it, it could be these two guys, the, the production they're working on happens upon Charles Manson's ranch that's out there in 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 california and like bruce lee does them up you know like oh god i I have no (laughs) idea how they're going to handle that because it's such a nightmare scenario but i I hope margot robbie gets her vengeance me too in this life or the next year and take god but who knows is it far enough away from it i i am so worried about that aspect of the movie that's like the only thing i'm worried about because the bruce lee scene with brad pitt that sparring fight is really funny yes it is and brad pitt's got a lot of you know deadpan comedy here so i mean this movie is working as like a drama comedy it's again lovable scoundrels as a as a type i've seen nothing to suggest that this won't be there for as a big oscar contender at the end of this year if they fuck up Manson family sure, stuff. Sure, that's, po- that's absolutely possible. But also, if anyone's going to do it, wouldn't it be Tarantino that everyone's like, yeah, it's Tarantino? You know what Maybe. I mean? Maybe. I, I don't know. You I don't, don't know. know. I don't know. He's got to handle some heavy, heavy subject matter there. Sure. No, no argument there. I mean, we, we just said the Mary Heron movie, Charlie Says, you can't make a horror comedy about that. And then we're like, wait. Well, that's why I don't, I don't think it's going to be a big part of the movie. And if it was, yet, wouldn't, they, wouldn't they cast Aunt Manson as an A-lister? As a, not, not, nothing against okay. who they casted, but... but... They cast Margot Robbie, and Margot Robbie's on all the posters. Yeah, maybe it's about Sharon Tate's career and what could have... You know, I, I, I don't know. You're right, there's questions. Absolutely, there are questions. She's not pregnant, though, in the movie that we're... In anything we've oh, seen. God, yeah, I don't... So I that's something not. else I hope, to yeah, recognize. I hope that's not... Yeah, that... Uh, God... I don't know, man. I hope. That's like the dark cloud le- leering over that movie in a way, but she's not pregnant in anything we've seen. 
right? Correct? That we yeah, that, not that I've seen. Yeah, no, right. absolutely so not. That um, could be. Another big trailer that dropped at some point this week. That's one, the Once Upon a Time Hollywood, obviously, coming out the last week of July. It's supposed to be a huge blockbuster. Stranger Things 3, Season 3, had its first trailer look. Uh, that's also going to be a huge one. That's obviously on Netflix. Mike, are you a Stranger Things guy? I am. Okay. They're playing the hits with this trailer. You know, you get the nostalgia. You get all the, the group having fun together. Seems like they're going to do some fun things with the character of Eleven. Yeah. Which they need to keep pairing her up with, you know, charismatic characters. They did it with David Harbour last season. It's one of my favorite things that I saw ever in, in that year because it was so much fun. So I they need to get her right because there was an episode, like the one terrible episode of Stranger Things mm. was like this Eleven backstory episode, penultimate, I think, in that season. It was terrible. They're, this is season two? This is season two. Okay. It was so bad. It was like the one episode of Stranger Things where I'm just like, I didn't even want to watch it. It was just getting so oh, bad. Oh, jeez. All but right. Otherwise, you know, they, when they stick with the Stranger Things narrative, and it's kind of the same for the first two seasons, and it looks like we're getting more of the same here with the monsters and the kids and fighting the monsters. That's fun. These kids are starting to look grown up. Well, yeah, <laughs> They're not starting to look like kids anymore. They grow up so fast. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely the case. But uh, it's, it's focused on their teenage years, so they're not kind of pretending with the yeah. low voices they're not they're not out of it so that that's good but i mean it's going to be tough to pull off like the dopey hat on the giant puff of hair and the short shorts with the t like the t-shirt he's, well, a, he's he like was adolescence a, now he's a he full was, he was experiment experimenting with his look last season too so now he'll yeah okay I, I didn't watch i watched season one i didn't watch season two i know i'm terrible uh, the most popular tv shows i'm just out on i don't know why I think you're a contrarian. Mike, Lucy <laughs> in the Sky. This is Natalie Portman, John Hamm. She was an astronaut, and then she comes home, and she doesn't know how to deal with real life after being an astronaut because space was so amazing. This is Noah Hawley from TV's uh, Fargo on FX. He also did the X-Men spinoff there on FX. He's a good director. What do you think of this trailer? One of my running themes for most of these trailers is going to be like the depth that 2019 has as a film year. And in the way that Vox Lux was kind of overlooked, even though it wasn't, we thought maybe it was going to be a contender at some point for an Oscar. This one at least seems like it's tailor-made for a Natalie Portman vehicle, right? This one seems like it's made for her to contend again and get back to that prominence. It's fascinating that we we have astronauts with PTSD in a way or with withdrawal symptoms and psychological issues. Yeah. I just read the biography on... Uh, you know, of First Man after watching the movie about Neil, Neil Armstrong there. And yeah, he suffered from a lot of different things. And so did Buzz Aldrin. And his relationship suffered with his wife, Janet Armstrong, and all kinds of things he had to deal with. So to, you know, composite that in a movie here, you know, right after she gets back, I mean, that's very sensible. I, I heard some people getting mad at that. This All right, this is another astronaut with uh, issues. But, I mean, it would make sense if you... How can you complain about How do you know? if Like, how dare <laughs> because you? Because it's a funny joke that, that, that was made about uh, gravity. But, all right, fine. I, I don't know. Uh, but I, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, right. I, <laughs> the audacity of some people. But do we have to see another astronaut issue movie? You have no idea if this is relatable. <laughs> Shut up. No idea. The visuals look great. <laughs> they Let's, do. I'm guessing we're, we're going to be in outer space in the early goings, or she'll flash back to it. And then we'll actually have a s intense drama after that. Yeah, and it's got like some uh, daydream type effects. It looks like she herself is floating in space sometimes with just her shoes. I and... think, yeah, Noah Hawley's really good at that, yeah. where you get all these hallucinations. He's You're right. That. That's the word I was looking the for. The Le Legion TV 
series, not the movie with Paul Bettany that we always reference as a weird joke. Oscar-winning movie, yes. <laughs> Noah Hawley <laughs> has a ton of uh, hallucinatory imagery, yeah, to, to say the least. In that, speaking of fever dreams and hallucinations, Toy Story Four also <laughs> had a uh, a trailer come out this week. No, this is a great trailer uh, with high stakes again. Like Woody is lost in the wilderness, and it's lost with a spork that was reanimated into an actual somehow uh, intelligent being this little girl created a new toy it's sporky or whatever the little toy is and it's that stupid goofy toy with woody and they're on the road together so it's another toy story road trip movie which is the go-to narrative yeah genre for this franchise and it's interesting that it's kind of like it seems like the group of toys now has to seek out woody as opposed to woody leading the pack which is hasn't really been done before it looks like they're all like because he gets to that museum place with peep beep peep whatever her name is yeah and he she's like trying to convince him to stay so that that kind of is interesting i have an issue with the idea that woody who has gone through these last three adventures to stay with his group of toys is at all going to be enticed to stay away from them at this point he's a hero damn it mike he's gonna (laughs) jump out of the moving vehicle to save Sporky or whatever that toy's name is. But we get to go to another carnival with Jordan Peele. It, it'll make a billion dollars, yeah. It, I, this thing's going to be huge. I just think it looks like some harrowing stakes for an animated film, which I'm into being older gentleman who likes to go to animated films still. So it's like a movie that plays to adults and kids. So I think it's going to work. And the it's other funny. three have. So as long as it follows that format, it's going to, yeah, it'll be great. And it's probably going to win the Oscar for animated feature if I had to guess. So Mike, we have Danny Boyle direct a film called Yesterday, which apparently is an out-of-the-bottle premise by this trailer starring Hamesh Patel, who is introduced to the world, and it's a movie that when there's a blackout, a worldwide blackout, it basically erases the history of the Beatles ever having done anything, so nobody knows who the Beatles are, and this guy's like a Beatles cover singer. But the Beatles still exist, like for Paul, him. Paul and and Ringo. Like, there's a scene in this trailer where James Corden says, "There's two men here that claim the song is theirs," and then we see a shot of two four feet walking towards the set. So, like, we don't know. We're if that's led them. to believe, right? We don't, and we're led to believe, or at least assume it's them. But if they exist, wouldn't that be the biggest story of the movie? <laughs> Could you imagine if they exist, but they only sing like Rolling Stone songs, or they only sing you know, the Monkees? That would be a nice twist. That, that would. Be funny funny i mean it's one of the weirdest out of this, the bottle yeah place. this is a weird concept but what it's if danny why? Boyle. so a lot of people have high expectations for it about contending i guess why not but again if you need to just see the depth of danny Boyle coming out with a new movie the same year scorsese the same year tarantino the same year jordan peele is same year toy story and disney has a bill this is going to be a huge movie year i'm very very excited for 2019 that's just another reason why on the one hand the, the academy is going towards some popular films, right? Yeah. And the popular film, anyway, yeah. film imperative, it's a movie about the Beatles who everybody loves and it makes good money and it's a musical movie and it has, packs musical goods. Yeah, it was done last year, so I'm wondering if it's they're going to have another you know, musical biopic that is not the Elton John film involved this year right. on the one hand. On the other hand, they want issue movies in many ways, even with their blockbusters. They want it to say something, as Scott Feinberg told us. So 
I don't know if the Academy is going to go for this. I don't. I can't that. see it either. It doesn't make sense unless there's a huge message that hasn't been hinted at yet by either trailer. So I'm with you there. But again, Danny Boyle is held in high esteem. So I, I think it'll find an audience at least. Well, we know the Academy is going to go for John of Wick course. 3 Parabellum. <laughs> this is trailer 2, Mike. This action looks fantastic. And I am a critic of Gung Fu. Gung Fu? Yeah, not easy to say. Gun Fu. Yeah. I'm a critic of it because it's kind of silly why I don't just use guns in the, <laughs> that there. Quote Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Why don't I just use guns? No, but in the movie, like if you just use the gun normally and shoot somebody from a distance, that's the whole point of having a gun. You don't need to use a gun as a sword and punch shoot somebody at point blank range. There's snipers in this trailer, though, so we might actually get some actual rules of physics and the world as we know it. I have one and two in Blu-ray, <laughs> uh, like five feet away from my Blu-ray player. I need to watch them. I've not them. yet, and I'm disappointing a lot of my friends who... they. I have friends that talk to me every week and only will text me, have you watched John Wick yet? And if I say no, they don't respond to me. They should. So, <laughs> no, I mean, those, to, are, those are fun movies. Yeah. And I think think i'm having a ton of fun in this trailer like he's i wonder a, if we're gonna have to do a retrospective of this if this is gonna be one of our deep this dive is series. just me enabling you to procrastinate on all these movies you keep blind buying yeah but we had to do retrospective on it because i have to have, have an excuse to watch it yeah it's like the furthest thing from an academy award what, movie. Do you, what is it you think this podcast is <laughs> <laughs> mike i i love this trailer i really like the mo- two first movies despite the fact that they're a little ridiculous but they're, well, they're fun. Yeah, it's not going to contend for anything, but sure, it's gotten high marks. It's universally renowned. Everyone that sees it seems to have high praise for it. You know, go figure, though. It might be like a visual effects at the end maybe. of the day. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. That's a good point. That, that could sneak in. Again, it's kind of a tough year for anything, I think, to sneak in if all of the uh, uh, prominent pictures that we have on deck do what we all assume they will. And that could lead itself into the next one, too. The Last Black Man of San Francisco is another trailer we had. Cinematography, my God. Great cinematography. It seems to be a very heavy movie. It seems to want to tell a, a story that needs to be told. But again, are we going to have enough room this year for anything to sneak in if all these prestige pictures play out to their the best they can are all a pictures yeah it's it's interesting because we just saw kind of this subplot in sorry to bother you which was kind of a sci-fi comedy right. of the gentrification issue mm-hmm. of uh certain big cities right now especially san francisco i mean it looks beautiful i love the soundtrack and score or the score really i mean it's it sounds great i mean you were just tapping your foot to yep. uh, to that trailer 88 percent on 34 reviews big hitter at sundance i believe i don't know if it played at south by southwest i don't i forget which film festival but we've covered this before in terms of its original buzz visually incredible stuff a24 I, too they know what they're doing they know what they're doing in acquiring good movies do they know what they're doing in pushing an no, oscar campaign that's, my... and that's that's harsh words to say, but they have not proven at all that they are interested in contending for for your consideration type campaigns. And, and look, a June 14th release right. doesn't necessarily scream Oscars for us. This is screams, all right, that it's going to make its best profit in, in the month of June, which I hope it does. You got Rob Morgan, you got Danny Glover. We love those actors. Yeah. And I, I think this 
seems like a sad movie, but looks like a good one. It's interesting, too, about the story it's going to tell, because San Francisco is a very unique case being right in the hub of Silicon Valley. Is this telling the story about how that is taking over and the, the natives to that city are kind of being driven out by the prices uh, all going up? I don't know what story this is trying to tell yet. It talks about you know the old family home, the old family house. We could throw parties. That's all in the trailer. So I don't know what the story is yet, if it's going to be something that's kind of so universally relatable like that people can there's a wide swath of people that can relate to the like you said gentrification and people intruding on their homeland like that. I, i'm in after this trailer that's yeah, all that's I great know. i, I it does. this is catnip to to oscar critics like us i just wish they were like angling it more towards an oscar campaign or award season campaign because years past this is a kind of movie that would play that sure way. absolutely but again a24 a24's got i don't know why they're maybe they're, it's too cost well. prohibitive well but uh, why not campaign why not campaign eighth grade why not campaign tony collette in, yeah, last year true uh, this could be the same case i hope not i hope maybe something changes but uh we'll talk about finally here the last trailer a surefire best picture contender dora and the lost city of gold came out this week it's first preview all right so this is dora the explorer i have no connection with this myself in my own childhood obviously because i'm way too old Millennials, the very the youngest of millennials probably have connections to this, so it probably <laughs> matters to them. Like I grew up on Godzilla, Mary Poppins, X Men cartoons, <laughs> and we've established this, so those movies mean something to me now. When I get this, you know, harken back to my member berries, and uh, you know, the nostalgia comes into play. I have no nostalgia for this, even though I love the cast: Michael Pena, Eugenio Derbez. They're making me laugh here. Benicio Del Toro, you said, is the voice of the monkey character. Swiper. So that monkey might be the worst CGI of 2019. It's not great. looks bad. Um, I was in on this if it was going to tell the story about Dora being the explorer and, like, going to high school and, like, having that be part of it. But then she gets kidnapped in the trailer and she becomes more of a Dora the Explorer episode that you like, or at least kind of related to what we see on Nickelodeon. So you uh, wanted her to explore like a Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew yeah, mystery. Yeah, like, like it could be a coming of age story and still be a Nickelodeon movie. It feels like they're just sidetracking. Alright, she goes to high school which is funny fish out of water right. for ten minutes, but then all the high school kids are put in a box and then they're brought to the jungle. As if jungle. that at all could be like... <laughs> Could you imagine kids getting kidnapped in a high school field trip that the school wouldn't just lose their goddamn minds over? <laughs> like, I don't know. It's a kid's movie, whatever. It's a kid's it's, movie. Yeah, people will see it. It's going to make its money. And Four parts. Movie review. <laughs> deep dive. Deep dive Into the coming. retrospective of the best of Dora the Explorer <laughs> and Go Diego Go. Uh, guys, that is your week all set up for you. That's what you can look forward to, and that's what you can seek out on YouTube. Those are the trailers that dropped. We want to know, obviously, your thoughts about anything we touched on this week in this episode of MMOW. You could reach out to us in a plethora of ways. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook. Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram. MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com. Mike, Mike, and Oscar.com. And Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Reddit, the website we have a huge update on uh, for us. So we're hoping to get some work done on that before we release it live, but it should be going live soon famous last words of course you can yeah but then i get our production meeting you're like all right now it's up we but we've got to take a month and yeah, get stuff written you, you can expect it in like 2021 <laughs> uh you can reach out to us we're available everywhere you hear podcasts tune in stitcher soundcloud itunes spotify google play etc etc type in mike mike and oscar you will see our cartoon smiling faces waving back at you michael any famous last words for monday for these people to go out and take the world by storm snippets of wisdom play along with six degrees of mmo Haley. Lou Richardson to Jordan Peele. We forgot to mention 
mentioned that during yeah. that segment, but we mentioned it earlier, and it, we've gotten some good responses. We'll we'll promote it on Twitter this week. We we've also been you know popping up with those MMO asks, and you can ask us questions. We're, sure. We had a blast with those all week, so we featured them instead of Six Degrees, but uh, we got that uh, Six Degrees hanging over our heads for another week. But otherwise, watch these trailers. They're good. They're yeah. really well-done trailers for the most part. I think Hollywood's getting used to you know selling movies. They're doing a good job. Finally coming around on that. Finally huh? figuring out how to sell a film. And uh, coming up this week, we got some fun retrospectives. Yeah, we're going uh, to go back in time and review the original Pet Cemetery, which is so much fun. That'll be something uh, from 1989, that old Stephen King adaptation. <laughs> Man, uh, <laughs> it's a lot of movie. Let's just say that it's a lot of movie. It's in our wheelhouse. We love talking about older horror films. Yeah, uh, it's gonna work. We're gonna start doing our Hellboy retrospective for the new one coming out there. We're gonna we'll get Hellboy one, Hellboy two. Guillermo del Toro really yeah. goes ham on both of those movies, and they're they're ups and downs with both. And we, we're gonna have a lot to say, but we love reviewing the big blockbusters, especially, you know, that we have a lot to say about Guillermo del Toro movies yes. in recent years. <laughs> <laughs> big upset from, uh, of course, he won Best Director and Best Picture two years ago at the Oscars. And finally, this is some wisdom from you, another snippet of wisdom. Do you want him to go see another movie? Go see us. Okay. If you've seen us, go see us again. And if you've seen us again, go see us again, again. It merits rewatch. Go listen to all our episodes on it. We have like a four-episode arc. We have two reviews on it. Uh, we know that some of you are only hitting play on the ones that that you know apply most to you in your circumstance that makes sense but do try to listen to all both those episodes because i think we did hit on some stuff that other people haven't yet yeah especially it, in the deep dive. it's a cool series and it really plays well together we got the preview episode we got the non-spoiler episode we got the uh the spoiler episode also has 17 minutes of non-spoilers and then we got our top fives horror movie experiences yeah. they're all doing well they're like you know doing better than the average episode for us but bottom line is we feel like they work best together and who knows we're, we're gonna have a final word on us at some point you know in this rest of the year yeah because but for the box office update i want to hear us is like up to 80 million again this yeah week. let's do it sink dumbo all right guys when reality sucks come watch movies with us we will check you out next time see ya